0: Welcome to Home with Havila. This is the podcast where we talk about real life, getting to live the abundant life that Christ came to give us, and hopefully solve some of the problems you're facing and maybe answer some of the questions that you're having and this entire month is going to be a series on relationships i don't know about you but relationships seem to be the place of the most success in my life but also the hardest place in my life and it requires so much work and and um clarity and like a purposefulness in how I do life. And so we as a team sat down and really wanted to figure out who would be the best person to have on the podcast to talk to you about specific topics that are really important. And so this month is going to be, we're going to have a couple on to talk about marriage. We're going to have somebody on to talk about a blended family. We're going to have a sexologist on to talk about Christian sexuality, right? Or, or whatever. It doesn't have to be Christian, but sexuality. And again, we're going to just try to hit every aspect of relationships that you are facing. I guess I think we're going into the holiday season, and I think it's really good to begin to focus on your relationships because they're going to hit us in different areas and different ways. And if COVID didn't get you, the holidays will. (laughs) So really lean in and go, okay, I want to learn something so I can do this season better than I've ever done it. And so today when we talk about, or we're talking about the single life and the waiting life, I could not think of a better guest than to have Krista Smith with us. Hi, Krista.
1: Hey, I'm so (laughs) excited to be here. This is like so fun.
0: I'm really glad you're here too. Thank you. Krista and I met online like legitimately (laughs) we did a friends friday on my instagram but i have known her husband my family has been really close with his with her husband and then of course just pulled her right in as we knew that they were married and i i didn't know if it was like a oh she's married to sean smith so she's a great communicator because of that but when i heard her speak and communicate i was like krista you have it like sean and you both hold your own and i just felt like there's an anointing on your life for this generation and for women specifically in the waiting season. So thanks for coming. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they kind of get to know
1: you. Thank you so much for having me i really am honored um you know for me i had this kind of unique journey with holy spirit my family i was born into this amazing family incredible parents like your parents your parents are amazing (laughs) and i encountered holy spirit and i think i want to share this because i feel like it's what marked me for god i was seven years old and my parents got impacted by the charismatic renewal in the catholic church and for those that don't know Charismatic Renewal, it's simply like Holy Spirit went through the Catholic Church. And yeah. we had healing meetings, and God blew out the masses. Literally, not just <laughs> the masses of people, the masses of the, the service, master. the mass service, <laughs> right. So we we really encountered Holy Spirit, and it sent my family on a pilgrimage of who is this person. we found ourselves at a four-square, um, small-town, Smoky Point, Washington camp, a family camp, and we discovered the person of Holy Spirit individually. And I'm the youngest of three girls. My sisters would come back from the junior high high school meeting, and I was in the kids meeting, and I found myself hearing their stories at the campfire at the end of the night when they're kind of describing what had taken place that night in their services. And people were receiving words and which at the time we wouldn't have known that was prophetic ministry. There was deliverance, there was people encountering the love of God, there's people being set free. And you know, being from a Catholic background, I had seen people encounter Holy Spirit. i had seen people encounter God, but this was a different level, right? So this was different. So I remember thinking at seven years old that I loved my puppets because we were in the puppet ministry. <laughs> and I loved singing with the puppets and standing on my chair and singing as loud as I possibly could, you know. But I wasn't having the experience they were having. And so what that did is it provoked this, what I call a really brave decision for a seven-year-old, where across the length of a football field, pitch black, pitch black, I made the decision that I was going to ask to go to the bathroom with no intention to go to the bathroom, and I was going to sprint across the football field to get to where my sisters were. I just wanted to get to their meeting. I was like, "Who? What, what are they experiencing? So I did exactly that. I asked to go to the bathroom, no intention to go to the bathroom, <laughs> sprinted across the football field, pitch black, seven years old, and when I entered the room Havilah, that is where I encountered the tangible presence of God. And at seven years old, I smashed my little body against the back wall, and I, I literally prayed no one would see me because I knew I was too little to be in the meeting, but I wasn't too little to encounter God or know the reality that God was in the room. And I wouldn't have been able to articulate it, but at seven years old, I remember watching this man by the name of Herb Marks minister and call people out and prophesy. People were weeping. The presence of God was so thick. And I remember thinking at seven, if this is available, I'll spend my life pursuing it. And I really call that my marked moment. Because I would go back, and we'd still attend the Catholic Church, and I went to public junior high and public high school, and it was super wild, and I was like the lone soldier serving (laughs) Jesus. But it's amazing that when you get marked by God, that it's enough to sustain you for the year. And even though I felt like the lone Christian soldier, and I would have friends that would ebb and flow in their faith, but, you know, I was the one that was really taking a stand for God and it felt lonely a lot. Mm -hmm. And yet I had encountered the genuine love of God. So I couldn't be satisfied with counterfeit Mm -hmm. because once you encounter real God, like real love of God, it's literally the only thing that satisfies and it marks you. And I think for me, that story is always really important because it sums up the entirety of who I am. Yeah, it's incredible that you at that age, I,
0: I do as a Christian kid, right? Right. Living in a I do sometimes think we we almost write off these atmospheres. But right. really, oh, yeah. you can be awakened. Like I I was a five years old. When I remember climbing on my dad's lap and asking him, you know, and I for uh to ask Jesus into my heart. I remember at the age of about 10. My sister got her spiritual language at church. I went to school feeling really bad about it and the principal brought me in his office and prayed over me and I got my spiritual language in the principal's office. But still at those young ages so the idea that God marked you and you yes. knew it that's profound and yes. you can art you can go back and remember that moment.
1: Totally. Wow. And I think we underestimate the power of children in the atmosphere for God and I think that's why I think it's so important that you know of all ages are we introduce him to Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit encounters us how we need to be encountered, yes. right? Because he knows what needs to mark us. But for me it's kind of what kept me steadfast and really not giving into rebellion in my life. Not that I did it perfect. I messed yeah. up plenty. Yeah. I made horrible <laughs> decisions sometimes. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I would say for the most part, really walking a life in in my best ability, trying to honor God, you know, yeah. really my, my heart was tender toward God. Yeah. Um, and and because of that tenderness, I think it just kept me soft toward the things of God and didn't keep me in a hard. A hard-hearted state, yes. and I, that literally stemmed from a kid. Yeah, it's so,
0: incredible. Yeah. So as you journeyed into your adult years. Yeah. Were you at that place where you just kind of always said yes to God or did you kind of have a time when you didn't
1: or you know I really didn't have a time I didn't I mean for me and Ooh. I it's funny I grew up where you know the only testimonies you heard were the ones that like yes. went crazy and like and there and, and I love those testimonies because it shows the grace and the goodness of the Lord yeah. and I would he love hearing them but I would always be like man do I I don't feel like I had a testimony because I only connected testimony with like rebellion yeah. you know and yeah. that is valid and it's yeah. beautiful and I love it but for me um, my testimony wasn't rooted in rebellion. My testimony was rooted in a love, in a, in a love relationship with Jesus, where I just got marked young. And it just kept me, you know, and I think for me, where it shifted really became my relationship with God. It shifted from uh, maybe my leaders or my mom and dad or, you know, it shifted mine was my freshman year of college. I went up to a university in Seattle and I was so excited to finally be at a Christian university. And I was like, yes, I had a girl assigned to me as a roommate. She's a great girl. We got along good, um, but she was definitely in an identity crisis like so many freshmen are. And University of Washington is only like eight minutes away, which means Greek row in the fraternity (laughs) sorority is only eight minutes away. So you weren't allowed to drink or do anything on campus at our university because it was a Christian university. But everyone would go to UW and party and then come back, right? So that was really normal. So I remember coming back. My roommate was so wasted. She was like passed out in front of our door. And I remember thinking oh my gosh, this is just like high school. Oh my gosh. And I had this realization that I'd come thinking it was a kumbaya Christian moment finally, that finally I was going to have my Christian community. And it was in that moment as I'm literally dragging in my roommate to get her to bed that I realized I can no longer wait for my environment to help foster Or propel me toward the things of God and something in me in that moment just was like well then I'm gonna change the environment versus kind of I waited always for my summer camp to fill me up in that freshman year of college all of a sudden it shifted to me going no no I changed the environment like I'm gonna I'm gonna stop waiting for everyone to be a Christian around me and we're all like going after God together I realized that wasn't reality And then I started going after God, like super hardcore.
0: It really does. There is such an aha moment when you realize you are 100% responsible for your atmosphere. And that you don't have to wait for anyone to participate. That is just huge. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And you start to realize that that's the truth in every season of our life. Yes. When we realize we are 100% responsible for the atmosphere in which we're living, we can't control anybody, we can't change people's choices, but we can stay powerful in the midst of being in an a environment that wants yeah. to dominate us. Totally. Did you find that at that moment when you made that decision, did that start leading you through your adult
1: years? Absolutely, I think... It really, you know, I've been on staff at multiple churches, different expressions. Um, yeah. You know, some super prophetic houses, some houses just about souls, not really into the gifts as much. And some people would really struggle in my community, like, oh, my church isn't this, or my church isn't that. And then I end up pastoring for 13 years, <laughs> and and I really, for me, I was different in the sense of I wasn't looking for the church to fulfill me. Yeah. I wasn't looking. The church was never created for that. So I think people are constantly dissatisfied with the church, but they're dissatisfied with what it was never created to be. Yeah. It was never created to be everything. It's simply a byproduct of your daily relationship with Jesus. So if it's your only outlet for your relationship with Jesus, you bet you're going to be dissatisfied because it's every church is going to have a focus. So my perspective, I think, in my adult years was, what can I bring to the church? Ch- to the church what can I bring to the church that you called me to God right so versus like trying to always find it to meet my needs versus I'm just like okay Lord what's in me because you called me here and God doesn't change his mind right and he calls you to be connected to a church community so what in me can complement what's in here and there were seasons where different things were were emphasized within me in order to complement that. So I think it really shifted in a good way. It really taught me no matter what church, no matter what expression, no matter what community I'm part of, if my relationship with God is a daily relationship, um, you're going to eliminate a lot of that battle that you're fighting through trying to find connection or so community true. or fulfillment because you're already fulfilled in the Lord. Yeah. So I think it's just you're looking at it different because you're not looking at to be completed. You're already completed in Christ. Yeah. It's almost like that scripture, like, all my fountains are in you. It's like everything that I need is
0: within you. And we kind of say that, but what you're saying is you can trust God, that he is enough, and you can get your needs met in relationship with him. Right? And I know that that costs you. Like, I I wanted to spend a few minutes talking (laughs) about – You know, I know you're coming out with a book this year, and one of the conversations that we had was really about the waiting season, because you had to wait to get married for a long Long time. time. When did you get married, and
1: how long did you have to wait, and was it easy in all the things? Um, Was it easy? Absolutely not. (laughs) Let me just start off with that. Absolutely not. I don't think it's ever easy to wait for whatever you're waiting for. Right. I mean, you can take that truth and apply it to every mm-hmm. part of your life. I mean, I think so when you true. have a desire and it's a dream and it, then it's coupled with prophetic words and you feel like God's promise on it, and then you're waiting for the manifestation, the reality of that promise, whoo, that's mm-hmm. tough. It, it hits you on every level. It hits you on every level. And you know, for me, I was 19 years old when I, you know, I joke around that I kind of prayed a cheesy prayer. You know, I was like, Lord, guard my heart, shield it, give it back to me when you want me to give it away. It was like so cheesy and yet completely sincere. Like I was so sincere and I meant every word of it. Um, and so when guys would pursue me or I would be interested in someone, I'd go to the Lord and say, Hey, do I have permission to go on a date with them? And the Lord would tell me no for 19 years. I had to trust 19 years. I just want our listeners to catch this
0: because I think it's almost (laughs) like, in Moses, Waited, You know, you're like, wait, how many years? So for 19, 19 years, you would say, okay, God, I'm yeah. interested in this person. God say, not yet. Right. Right? Or so the son, would probably be interested in you and,
1: and you'd be like, I don't feel like this right. is it. So you probably had that mix oh, yeah. of trying to figure that out. Oh, 100. And I, you know, I started dating Sean at 38. So from 19 to 38 years old. So that's my entire 20s. It is. And most of my 30s. And so <laughs> Even that's it, so intense. No, it's like and I as soon as you got married so at twenty-seven in- yeah. to wait another ten years. I yeah. literally it's torture. Yeah. I can't imagine. No, it it was so intense, Havila. And you even saw the shift toward me with the church, meaning in your 20s and even early 30s, you know, all the women or people coming up to your church like he's coming. This is your year. <laughs> we believe we. this is it. But 35 years old, I always joke around that. I'm like, maybe you don't quite know singleness until you're post 35 yeah. single. And it's a whole <laughs> other because, and I, I'm joking, but kind of serious because the reality is this it was amazing how i could tell people didn't have faith once i crossed that invisible 35 year old and truth is that you can again take that everyone has a chronological timeline as to when they think you should have certain things in your life and if things don't happen within that chronological timeline it's amazing how people are quote unquote living in faith but they're actually living by a natural timeline so their faith is actually rooted in what's dictated to us as you should be married by this time, you should have a baby by yeah. this time. Yeah. You um, should have a career by you this time. This... You should
0: have a house by this time. Exactly. Moment,
1: you should be out of debt at this yes. time. In Jesus' name, we should be. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you have all these landmarks in this timeline in which we have adhered ourselves to. But the reality is, what if God, the author of time and the author of your biological clock, is actually writing your story? Yeah. What if that means that? God is actually outside of time. Can you give him permission? I feel Jesus, even as I Mm say this. Can you give Jesus permission to write your story outside of your timeline? And I think that's one of the biggest keys I learned in waiting. Waiting 19 years, I had to learn that my story, whether I liked it or not, because so many times if we don't like it, we want to bail, we want to bounce. But if you choose to even lean into what you don't like, right? I didn't like waiting. There was not like, I had, sure I could find these moments of joy, but there was also a lot of moments of yeah. pain yeah, in yeah. it. There was comparison. There was a lot of those things because everyone is checking off their boxes in the normal timeline they in really their are. life. And you're like, I haven't even checked off my first,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? And people are now having kids that are graduating high school and I haven't even started having kids, kids yet. I mean, it's, that is so real. Yeah. That is so real. I, I also think, there's a humiliation to it that i yep. feel like okay i didn't get picked yes. and there must be something wrong with me yes. i think this is what a lot of people yes. feel i remember feeling this you know cuz i i was wait i waited a decade i didn't wait 20 but 20 years, but I remember that humiliation of maybe there's something wrong with me. Totally. And people start to avoid that conversation with you or you can yeah. feel them starting to like, we're not going to go there with right. you. So you also feel that like, maybe there is something wrong. People aren't talking about it. And everyone's trying to give me their uncle and their cousin and have you, you know, somebody who's like, oh no, they got married already. I remember my mom saying to me, well, what about so-and-so? I'm like, mom, he's on his first child. He's been married for like five years. <laughs> and it was just almost like the, oh, there's no one good enough for you to is there anybody, and that was a really hard thing for your heart, specifically when you've given God your life. You're trusting him, it's not like you're resisting, you're saying no to everything
1: that that encompasses that relationship. And and you've nailed it, because there were so many people that really challenged me with the best intentions. Chrissy, you need to get online, you need to put yourself out there, and I don't think there's anything ethically or morally wrong with online dating. Here's the bottom line. I just didn't think it was, I just knew it wasn't my story. And sometimes we we have to think something's wrong for you not to do it. That's not true. Sometimes you just don't have the peace of God to like go somewhere. Yeah. And so is there anything wrong with that with online? No, there's not. But I knew I didn't have permission wow. to do that. And so even having enough courage to actually be true to who you are in God and and be true to Uh, have the courage to walk out what God's put in you. And sometimes following God and trusting God looks crazy. It looks illogical, right? Because as the years are ticking by and I'm waiting and everyone else is getting married, I mean, there were so many times where there was that temptation just to go, well, he's good enough Mm -hmm. or he's, you know, make it work. And then I would consider it even just in my mind. And I would feel the Lord go, have you walked this far? Yeah. Have you paid so much of a price, Krista, to settle now? Yeah. 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 And there was just a resolve in me going, you know, if I don't get married, but that's what it takes for God to get the fullest glory out of my life, Yeah, then so be it. I had to get to this place where I have dreams and desires, but marriage wasn't a guaranteed. I believe it is a mm-hmm. promise. I believe it was a God desire, and I felt like God was going to do it in my life, but I. I had the faith, but there still wasn't a hundred percent guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you have those dark nights of the soul and you're by yourself on a Friday night because you're tired of being the fifth wheel and you watch one more Hallmark movie because you're like, (laughs) I mean, not like I've ever done that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, you have this moment where you're like, did I miss it? Yeah. You know, those are those quiet questions in our heart as we're walking it out. But they're really important to wrestle with God through. yeah. I think you have to ask those questions. I think you have to have the wrestles. I think you have to have the dark nights of the soul. yeah. Um, because I, I feel like those are what actually creates the grit yes. in us and our walk with God. Because, you know, say like me, he brought my Sean, you know, yeah. he brought my husband, he's the love of my life, but now I'm believing and continuing for different things. So I'm back in that same journey. And so, if I didn't have the depth of the grit that was created in the first time around, right, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have the the substance to walk it yeah. out the second time. Yeah. So I think when we lean into those hard places, I think everything in us is designed to run away from the hard it things. It is. But if it we is. actually lean into the hard thing, and here I am talking to the expert on this hard <laughs> no, things, with right? No, I'm <laughs> But I, I, I've really seen this in my life when I actually lean into the uncomfortable, to the hard mm. things. That is where my depth in God was created. Mm -hmm. It was, it, it has been created in the mountaintop moments of when God brought Sean, because it was a faithfulness of God and it was amazing, but it was in those hard places Mm -hmm. that I just got to this place where I'm like, God, you know, my desire. Yeah. And yet I don't want to just make it happen. The goal wasn't to check off a list and be married. Yeah. I I was around too many miserable people.
0: You could be married tomorrow. I always tell people that. Yeah. It's not about if you could get married. We could marry you off. There is somebody in the world 100%. that will marry you. <laughs> you want to marry what's your story? And right. I what you said, I think was so it, it was so incredible. It it could be a part of my story, but is it really the story I'm writing? And I think that's it's interesting that you could still pay you it's almost like God still gave you a sense of ownership in right. the
1: middle of not knowing how it's gonna resolve itself. That's it. And I think there is this co-laboring with Christ, and mm-hmm. co-laboring looks like ownership. Co-laboring isn't a puppet. We're not being dictated by God with no opinion, no yeah. mind, will, and emotions. We, he gave us a free will for a reason. We choose to partner with him. Yeah. And you can choose to partner with him uh, being frustrated, being angry, being disappointed, and those are all real. Or you can choose to partner with God and say, God, I'm I'm viewing this journey it's, it's more than an offering at this moment. It becomes an offering, but it's first a sacrifice, right? So it felt sacrificial, but I found joy. And this is key for our listeners. I found joy when I shifted from God. I'm, I, I, I felt the price. I felt the cost of my decision to mm-hmm. follow God. But then when I shifted post 35 and I shifted to the place which I shared earlier, God, if this is what it takes to give you glory fully in my life. It shifted from a sacrifice, I'm sacrificing, sacrificing, to God, this is my offering. Wow. For you. And when I tapped into the offering of God with my life, that's where I found the joy. Yeah. Because sacrifice, there's not really joy no. for me in sacrifice. What, it's painful. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. But when you shift from sacrifice to offering of God, if this is what it takes for you to have glory, in my life, if this is what it takes to go deeper in God, because I believe God's not going to remove things out of our life that let us go deeper in him.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. So if this is what it takes, I don't like it. I'm not like I, I'm not celebrating the difficulty of it, but I am simply saying, God, let my life be an offering for you. And there and there I can find the joy because He's worth it. There, so it's there a, I can find it's it is. It's a
0: perspective shift where you're going yeah. from I'm being tortured to actually, because <laughs> that's what it feels right, like right. legitimately, to, you know what? You're worthy of this. That's it. And a little bit of pain that I'm experiencing, which feels like a lot of pain and heartache, yeah. you experienced all that for me. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste it. I'm that's not going to waste the suffering. You're. Gonna, I'm going to flip it. That's it. Do you, When you met your husband, like, did you think shift was coming or change was coming? Or did you, I do at that point, thought it's over I'm just trying to think of like some women that are like, did you, did you get that? Like, oh, this is it. Something's changing and shifting. Or was it like, oh my gosh, just when I gave it
1: all up? It was both. And that's kind of my whole, Mm. which that's what I'm kind of sharing in my book. It was this whole, I was content in my singleness and yet God was taking me through a journey of contending for the promise. So it's that really Mm. delicate tension of if it never changes, I'm satisfied, yeah. but I'm still believing for the promise. Yeah. And that is a very, it took me a year and a half to get to that place yeah. of I'm content, but I'm contending. So it was both. I, I really had laid down marriage, but I noticed something totally shifted when literally guys out of nowhere start talking to me. <laughs> I had three guys in a two-week span come to me and tell me, God, because I was pastoring at that yeah. time, I was associate pastor up in Oregon, three guys came to my office, they made an appointment with me, and they told me God had told them I was their wife. So I knew something had shifted, oh right? And granted, I was like, to all of them, great guys, good, well, yeah, yeah. one of them was a great guy, the other <laughs> two were questionable, <laughs> honestly. And
0: none of them were Sean.
1: None of them were okay, Sean, okay. none of them were Sean. And I knew something had shifted in the atmosphere. I knew there had been a spiritual Mm -hmm. shift because what sounds interesting is I felt like there had been a veil on me for years. Like I just wasn't seen. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't seen. And I was pursued here and there, but I just wasn't seen. And then all of a sudden I'm having guys Come out of the woodworks. Contact me on social media. Old guys from high, from college oh years, gosh. excuse me, that were like, I had a crush on you in college. I know you're still single. I'll come up to your area. Like, I'd love just to, you know, yeah. see if there's still something there. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what is happening, right? <laughs> Where have you been for the right, last 15 years? Right, exactly. <laughs> so there was such a dramatic shift that I knew all of a sudden it was like the veil had been yes. lifted. And I was being seen. Yes. And all of a sudden I was like, I've never been seen like this. So, God's shifting something. Wow. And that's when my heart began to go, Lord, are you actually doing this? Are you actually doing this? And then insert Sean. And the answer was, yes, he's actually doing this. <laughs> Did you, when you met Sean, I mean, because I think there's a lot of people
0: that are listening yeah. that are like, I'm going to get the man of my dreams. And I really, at least in my life, I had to really surrender the picture because there's this picture and then you get very disappointed because the picture isn't looking like you thought it was going to look. And then you realize that was, that was a mirage anyway. That was, I filled in the facts in my mind of what this would be. Did you have that same experience where you go, okay, God is in this. I'm excited about this person. But it wasn't what I thought, and it did you ever come to the conclusion? And this is like a long question, no, but great. did you ever come to the conclusion that you almost needed to be weaned from the idea, so that when it was time and the right person,
1: you would embrace it? You know, I think my natural personality is really outside the box. Okay. I think I'm naturally wired that way. So I think for people, I think every, I think some of that's personality and yeah, temperament. It is. You know, and I think also for me, it was also my environment. My parents are very outside the box. Um, They're not traditional in the sense of they would, I'm the youngest of three girls, but there was no like ever pressure for me to get married or, so there was this very kind of like, what, what's God leading you do that? That was kind of always my, amazing, amazing, right? So I don't know if I had to break down a lot of a mirage, but yeah, that's that's a that's a double-sided answer for I know, me. Right? <laughs> there's what there's one side of no, and then there's one side of yes, which I know sounds funny. I think Sean's package was different than what I expected. Yeah. So I, because I had waited, I had never been married, I was a virgin, like, yeah, you yeah. know, the whole like you know, 27 dresses, bridesmaid 13 times, 40 year old virgin. I was like knocking on the door and I was like, you're rude. You know, I mean, you know, so I had all these facets in my life of, of kind of like I had waited. So I did think it was going to be kind of a certain way. I didn't necessarily want to marry a guy in ministry because I was in ministry. And I was like, I don't know if I want us both in that because there's pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And so You know, Sean, I married married a man who's been married before and he went through a really devastating divorce Mm -hmm. and he went through his own story Mm -hmm. of just walking that out with God and God did a beautiful work within him and he's amazing, but he had two grown children. So I went from, um, you know, never being in love, never being in a serious relationship, I'm that girl, to dating a man with two children that had already done this marriage thing before. And I found myself everything was new and exciting to me. Everything was like, oh my gosh. And there was this day, um, and I don't know if it's a specific moment, but I just mean there was a space of time where I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on. I married a man that has had life experiences I have never had. So how we went in, I feel like how we approached even marriage, even wedding planning, um, how we approached relationship we were we were we waited a long time before we went public on social media to protect the children. Yeah. My personality would have been like the day of our first <laughs> date Woo! I'm like in 19 years of wilderness broken <laughs> Jesus delivers you know. And we did we weren't public for 10 months. Oh, and I did yes. that out of honoring him. Yes. But it was all these layers where now the relationship was bigger than me. I had a whole family to consider now. Yeah. I had to adult children. And if I chose to marry Sean, because remember the goal isn't waiting to be chosen. The goal is, or you choose.
0: Okay. Wait, wait, that's good. That's really good. What, what, can you say something more about that? Yes. For yes. our listeners, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Like, can you talk about that, that? That's
1: a huge revelation God gave me in my whole journey of waiting. Yeah. I think so many times, especially for young women, mm-hmm. we're just like, look perfect, say the right thing, be in the right outfit, be at the right place. And we're just like sitting there in this 1950s mentality, <laughs> waiting to be chosen at the church. And yeah. it's just this silly facade yeah. that we're waiting to be picked when God really began to show me, Krista you pick you're not waiting to be picked is he good enough for you yeah. i shifted the question of so many years i was like i hope i'm good enough i hope i you you put it on you and there's this realization of you're like I'm an awesome catch, not out of arrogance, but out of healthy confidence Confidence. where you're like, no, no, I'm actually a great catch. Like whoever gets me is blessed. Just like when I get them, I'll be blessed because they're amazing. But I stopped waiting to be chosen. Yep. And I actually was like, no, no, I choose. So I say that to say when Sean came into my life, he's amazing. But I'm like, do I choose this? Yes. Because they're fully powerful I, in the middle of this moment. I'm yeah. making an eyes wide open mm-hmm, decision. Do mm-hmm, I choose a man mm-hmm. who's walked through what he's walked through mm-hmm. with two adult children? Is this what I chose to wait for? Yes. And the answer was an astounding, all all capital letters, yes. <laughs> because if you've met my husband, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Incredible. He's he is one of the most amazing human beings he you'll is. ever experience. But there's also facets to that that are complicated. Yeah. They're layered. And I yeah. know that's- Because a, marriage yeah. isn't, you You are entering a new relationship
0: that is with somebody who else is fully powerful to make good and bad choices. And people will always say, write the marriage book. And I'm like, I would love to talk about marriage. But there is a facet of marriage, unlike being a parent, unlike being a minister, where you can kind of control your, your career- marriage is I cannot control your choices, which means I am vulnerable. And I also, you know what I'm saying? So I think even with Sean, like his first marriage, he was only 50% of a a powerful connection, a relationship, and he could only steward that part. And sometimes I think, that's where the grace needs to be given to people that their stories don't end up like we think they should is that they're only powerful over their choices in their life. And, well, we can't I'll hold them you. accountable for somebody else's choices. And I think that that's we we end up getting really messy and I think it's that idea and I would say this when you said and I just want to come back to that point when you said I am choosing, I'm not being chosen. I would say the same thing in my in ministry and what I have done And and there was a, the same mentality in church environments was I need to marry the right person Mm. to have the platform, or I'm waiting for someone to acknowledge me so I can rise up. And I think that there is an entire generation of men and women that need to stop waiting for someone to say, do it. Our, our spiritual mothers and fathers didn't wait. They were in the Jesus movement. They took, they took the permission and there's this weird thing. And then what happens, I think, which is not to hijack your thought, but no, God, there okay. is a part, when we act like God is asking us or forcing us or making something happen, when it gets tough, we, we have already given our power away. So when, you know, people will go, well, you know, my marriage is a mess, but God told me to marry them. So you're giving God all your power to say, God told you to do that. You almost felt like you had no choice in it. And now in the midst of crisis, God's going to go, well, now you're fully responsible. no eyes wide open. I choose to live here. I choose to do your will. I choose to do what you've asked of me. So when there's crisis or hardship, I get to make that same decision to say, I chose this and I'm in it for life. And there's a disconnect in our world where we kind of think that our spirituality or the prophetic word is going to fill in the gaps to our, our free will. And God, even God almighty, we've said this before, in the garden did not use or override adam and eve's free will even when the eternal decision that they made would affect all of us for you know for all eternity and jesus would have to die on the cross to to remedy that there was no he would not violate our free will And, and i just think there's this weird Culture in so the good. church of like God's gonna make me marry this person or I married them because God told me, but I didn't think about their older kids. I didn't right. think about their past and the right. relationships they had to walk through. I didn't I didn't take into account any of that. It was just thus say the Lord. So people, true. people get overwhelmed by it. And I'm like, it's because you gave your power away at the very beginning.
1: That's so, I don't know. That's what I think. No, that's so <laughs> I think that's something that's not talked about yeah. and so important because if you don't own Mm -hmm. your decisions with God, meaning he's giving you an option. You choose whether you say yes to it. And once you say yes to it, you're owning that. You're making that decision. You're not forced into anything. If you don't have that ownership, you will blame God when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's where people disconnect from God and they allow a hardness or an offense with God. And there's the person that's actually gonna help you walk through it and is actually gonna give you the strategy for the breakthrough that you need. Yeah. But because you're in blame mode, we all blame. All of us are guilty <laughs> of that, right? We all blame when we don't like it. We're like, this is your fault, mm-hmm. this is your fault. And the reality is it's not about blaming. It's about staying connected to the Lord in the hard places so that he takes you through it. But if you don't have the ownership, you, you'll, you'll live in that place of blame and never step into, yeah. you know, like I chose this. Yeah. So God, I did make this decision. I felt like it was you. And so what's the strategy for breakthrough, right? So if it's that's a partnership interesting,
0: because you're saying it's not just I'm in charge of everything. I got to figure it out. It's I chose this, I chose to do your will. That's right. So teach me how to do it. That's That's a different than I chose, I'm going to do whatever because then you marry anybody you want and then you don't bring God into it. So that's a really good balance. Yep. And did you find that in the middle of it, as you're trying to figure out, okay, this is the right one, there's a different story that he's carried. Yeah. Now I've gotta I gotta stay I, I'm not just being chosen, I'm choosing. Mm-hmm. Did it get easy from there? Or what was it what was it like for
1: you? You know it it was harder than I expected. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was, and I think sometimes that oh, happens. Good. You're normal. <laughs> yeah, normal. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was. It was harder than I expected. I think a blended family is harder um, than I knew, and I didn't come from divorce, mm-hmm. so I was raised in a really happy home, and my parents. Not that my parents were perfect, and my parents had fights, just like yeah. everyone else. But they fought. They fought with honor, and they fought with love. And but they I saw they fought fair. They fought fair. Yeah. But I, I it wasn't it wasn't perfect. And our home wasn't perfect, but there was a health to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so my only gauge was this really like we all got along. Like family was this really connected place. Well, when a divorce happens in anyone's family, it's a grenade's gone mm-hmm. off in the family unit. And so there I, you know, I had to learn um really to and this was hard, and and I think our our natural, um, at least my tendency, and I don't want to put this on other people, but for me, I'd waited so long that there was a little bit of this, well, come on, I've waited so long that I get this moment, and there was a little bit of this, I want, I want to shout it from the rooftops, and who cares what anyone else thinks, this is, you know, th- I've waited so long for this, and this is a blessing, this is from God, I just want to share it with everybody. I really had to learn that sometimes when we walk in the blessing and the plans of God, because I feel like I am in the plans and the blessing of God, I still have to use wisdom and maturity, and I have to recognize it's still bigger than me.
0: Yeah, great point. So
1: even though I'm smack dab in the middle of God's will, I still realize I had two kids that had gone through probably the most tragic time in their life. And so even though they love their dad and we have a great relationship, Um, I still had to recognize I represented mom and dad aren't going to get back together. And so what's every kid's desire? So for mom and dad to get back together, especially when you love God and we live in a faith community, we believe that God can do anything and yeah. he's the God of impossible, yeah. right? And so who? If I, was, if I were them, would I want my mom and dad to be back together? 100%. That's a normal, natural desire of any child. And so I had to uh, learn how to navigate um, a joy and a blessing in the midst of trauma and tragedy. And I think I didn't expect that in yeah. my story, yeah. right? And yet I think it was good for me to walk that through in the sense of I learned a deeper place of compassion and empathy for those that are walking through divorce or walking through a blended family situation. And, you know, I, you know, it's just like allowing God to teach you how to have relationship in the midst of fragmented places, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, broken places, because life doesn't go... Mm-hmm as you always thought it would go, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many people that are like, I didn't think I was going to be in this situation. I didn't think it was going to look like this. And yet there's still hope. There's There's always hope. When God's in your story, there's always hope. Yeah. And so I shifted it from making the moment about me to, Lord, you've called me into this family. How can I bring hope and healing even in the midst of, can I be a part of their healing process? Yes. Right. So it shifted it from it's all about me to maybe there's something I can give to this family. Yes. That I can actually bring healing and I can bring a light in the midst of a really dark time. And we can actually create our own family unit that's new and different, Mm -hmm. but it can still be really positive. Yeah. So I had to shift from it being about me to it being about a family unit. And that's really important when you are navigating Mm -hmm. unexpected terrain in your life you will realize your life and your path bumps up against other people. Yeah. And sometimes we want to make it all about us, but sometimes God's wanting you to weave your story with other people's stories yes. because your breakthrough is a part of their breakthrough. Yes. Your blessing is actually supposed to be a blessing for them. But if you bulldoze ahead and you don't bring those people with you, right. we're not all getting what's actually available in the yeah. moment. And, and what you're saying, which I think is brilliant, is you're
0: kind of giving people's story dignity to Mm. say it's not just about my story it's not just about my moment and my celebration and my but that you are allowed to have a different story you're allowed to have broken places and i'm you're allowed to be broken with me yep and i'm going to give your story dignity and i'm also going to be willing to let the tie it up in a bow not be the end all but to respect that it's going to be different. I I see people, I see myself, I get caught in the black and white world. And it wasn't until I really started seeing that there is black and white in both sides. And yeah. there's, there's um, you know, good and bad in both situations totally. and everybody. It really allowed me to have grace to go like, okay, this isn't just a right, right and wrong, black and white. This is good, this is bad. It's not that at all, right. it's way more complex. Yeah. And I love that idea. We. Are so, I'm so I feel like this conversation about blended families are so important. We are going to have an entire podcast so on good. this topic because the statistically the majority of those that are listening are in it, have been around yep. it, or will be a part of it. That's right. And so we got to really give people tools. And so I love that that was what you figured out. Now mm-hmm. I want to kind of segue a little bit as we close, but tell me about the book. I know there's a lot of people that are listening and watching that are like, I love Krista. I love Krista Smith, how do I get her content, what's the book about, how do I kind of lean into that?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, my I never plan on writing a book. I preached a sermon, (laughs) um, down. I was uh, pastoring down in Los Angeles, some of my best friends, and a majority of our congregation was single. And I was dating Sean at the time, but we were not even engaged, we were just dating. And so I was in this journey and I looked at my congregation that I was helping pastor because I was executive pastor at the time. And I thought, we need some tools here. You know, there was a lot of like fledging singles that were just either in like total destructive mode. um, And then there were some that were like so anti um, from a wounded place. They want a relationship, but they were so guarded. They weren't even open for it. Right. And, and neither of those are good. Right. And so I preached this sermon Um, called Singled Out in a Couple's World, and the response was insane. Such a good title. Thank thank you. (laughs) The Lord really gave me that. And so, you know, it it was one of those where it's just really practical. I just broke it down on a really practical level of what it is to be single, but it's really with the message of, of laying it down on the altar of the Lord and not sure if you're going to get it back, but finding a place of contentment, whether you get it back or not. Because like I said earlier, it's like marriage is not a guarantee. It's a promise. It's a desire. But is it guaranteed? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I should say promise as in it's a promise you feel like the Lord has said to you, you know,
0: desire. It's a desire. That's right. right.
1: And so You know, uh, my whole journey of, you know, when you're walking out any story in your life, it never feels super significant, right? It doesn't feel that important. It doesn't feel life-changing. It just feels mundane. I mean, there's a mundaneness to the day in, day out of 19 years of being single. And so when people begin, I got flooded with people wanting appointments, um, conversations, uh, counseling appointments. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not a counselor, but (laughs) I'm happy to have a conversation with you, you know? And so I realized the void. I realized the lack of conversation because of the response. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, I wrote this book out of necessity. I wrote this book because there's just not a conversation. And yet statistically, there's more people single in the church than married. Or in a relationship, statistically, yeah. So what's interesting is they're the least addressed group, Mm -hmm. but they make up the highest percentage. Mm -hmm. So we've missed an opportunity to talk to people because there's many people that are divorced, widowed, or just not in a relationship. And they're single for a variety of reasons. Many of them are, are because of things they haven't chosen and they didn't think it was going to be that way. So how do you encourage someone that even in the midst of a hard place, God's still writing their story? Yeah. So that was my motive in writing the book wow. of how can we get people to a place, including myself? And it was really just this personal story that God took me through. So what I love about this book is I think it's it really holds some keys to no matter where you're at in your life. I'm using the narrative of singleness, but I believe it's tools that you can use for any place of your life that you're waiting, yeah. because we're all gonna be waiting for yeah. something at all times. And like Havilah said so well, life is messy, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, Yeah. because I feel like we find God in the mess, and God makes beauty out of the messes, and I this story is just a vulnerable, my book is just a vulnerable, Uh, kind of storyline of what I went through, but then the practical tools that I walked out to find a place of contentment. And then when Sean came into my life, you know, just really partnering with a diff, it it looked different than what I thought. And yet I'm smack dab in the middle of his will. So that's really what the book is about. It's about, um, you know, hopefully it will make people laugh. Um, you might hopefully cry a little bit. And I, I I simply say that because I think sometimes tears just represent we're being touched mm-hmm. and ministered to. And so, you know, my desire is to give people hope and to let people know they're not alone. Um, but I always say, if God can bring... My husband to me, when I was in a little tiny town, pastoring as associate pastor up in Oregon, not wearing the right thing, saying the right thing, looking cute. I wasn't even in the same location or proxy with my husband. Um, God totally intersected our paths. And literally, I could not have stopped Sean from pursuing me. When it's God, you don't have to make it all. You don't have to jump through all the hoops. Yes. And I think that's just a part of the message that I think is so important, that when you have your eyes set on the Lord, you allow him to write your story, um, there's such a confidence in a piece that it will be written well. Yeah. Because he's the ultimate author. And so it really removed all the hoops, and it removed all the responsibility from me, although there was healthy, practical partnership God had me do, you know, um, I had to create some emotional real estate for someone to actually pursue me because I was so busy. That's that's something I talk about in the book. That's very good. Right? Because you can be so busy you can. that someone can look at you and go, I don't even know where I fit in their life. And specifically men.
0: Yes. If a woman looks so busy
1: and so, right. men just, they're, they're practical. They're like, I don't know how to I, get in there. I'm right. not, yeah. And if I'm have, if I'm so busy, I have to schedule coffee out in two <laughs> weeks. You're, you're not going to be available for pursuit, right? There's just a really practical side uh-huh. to it. So God really challenged me on my busyness. On my Excellent. emotional availability, be you know, just l- getting off my phone in the sense of just, I'm talking emails and yes. just work and just looking up and engaging more. Yeah. And, and that's time. when, that have the time. Because you have to have space and time in your life to be pursued. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, and the tricky part is when we have that kind of time, then we're with ourselves. Yeah. And that can make, give us anxiety and we feel sad. And so, so we have a tendency to fill our lives so full. So we yeah. don't actually have to sit with ourselves but you said it well. You said I, I'm gonna. You're teaching them how to be content, but also contend. That yes. to me is what that's the what you're talking about. And yeah. everything, like you said, everything in our lives is not just a single. I I said self control. I thought was a single person's thing until I got married. Then I realized self control is a characteristic I have to have in every aspect of my life, and it it will serve you. So that idea of and not just like controlling but i just mean owning your own story owning your own response to life it's really important and i think this book is going to be phenomenal don't worry if you're curious about it it is not out yet it is not (laughs) published when it is follow us we will let you know you will not miss it and um, I really, any questions or things that you guys have that you want us to answer or talk about more, make sure you ask that question and leave it in the notes or make sure you throw it up in a DM because, you know, I want to have Krista back when her book does get launched. We are going to do a Q&A time and we're going to really have a conversation around this topic. But Krista, I want to thank you for yeah, being always here. Always an honor. Have this is long. phenomenal. I mm-hmm. feel like this, we could literally spend five hours on this topic <laughs> oh <my> because- <laughs> I don't know anybody's life that doesn't need contentment and contending at the same time. I just don't know if it's possible unless we're completely in an apathetic place or we've given up. And so I just, I'm just so grateful. Mm. I'm so grateful. So how do everybody find you and you travel as well? So when the world opens up, Yep. They can also have in an event <laughs> yes. um, if that opens up as well. So yeah. tell us a little bit about you yeah. so they, can, yeah. they can find so you.
1: Our website is shawnandchristasmith.com, and that's getting uh, redone right Yay. now. Our new website's up in November. Super excited about that. We have a podcast, Keep It 100, with Shawn and Christa Smith. My husband and I do it really with the intent for discipleship. Keep it 100. Yeah, keep that. it 100. And then um, you can find me on Instagram, Mrs. Krista Smith. And then uh, Facebook, of course, Krista yeah. uh, Smith. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're all there. And, I, and I'm not on Twitter, and I get mocked <laughs> for it. And at some point, in Jesus' name, I will enter the world of Twitter. I don't know. I'm is, super is it going go to go away? Me. I mean, I know that I sounds know. but
0: With Twitter, I can barely get on there. Oh. It's like, I feel like each... Social platform has a personality. Yes. And so Facebook is like, I could get, I learned it. And got on it, yeah. and then Instagram, and I couldn't do two at the same time, so I was barely making it. And then Twitter was like, "It's like the third child. Like, I can't, I can't I, I feed can't. another child. Like, I, I'm so sorry. Thank yeah. you. I yeah. literally, that's I like
1: why I can't even start it. <laughs> I'm like, this child will be so neglected. <laughs> and it's so
0: intellectual, and yeah. like, you have to say it in a few sentences, and that's not. It's a our lot. World. It's, it's a lot, a lot of lot, effort.
1: Right? <laughs> I just, I don't have the capacity. <laughs> that's right.
0: Well, you guys, thanks for joining us on this podcast, and most of all, make sure that if you like this, subscribe, give us five stars and let us know that you like this content. Leave us a review. We read each and every one. It matters to us. But most importantly, have the best day ever and we will catch you next time.